0: clubhouse. This is Paul.
1: This is Caroline.
0: And tonight we're going to talk about the 13th episode of the fifth season of NBC's This Is Us. This episode aptly was titled Brotherly Love.
1: We have been waiting for this episode probably all season long, I'd say, of finally getting Kevin and Randall in the same room and hashing out some of these issues that they've been having now that we see all the way back for, through the flashbacks since the beginning of time.
0: Yes, we get two varieties of flashbacks, one in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and one in what I labeled the college years, even though technically only one of them was in college at the time.
1: Let's talk about the Mr. Rogers vignettes that we got. I thought they were very eye-opening when it came to moments like Jack standing there with both Randall and Kevin and the badge hander-outer, you know, mistakenly thinking that, you know, that the two white children were with Jack. Moments like that, I I realize now and them showing so carefully how often that must happen to Randall throughout his entire experience here.
0: We have friends who in the past have told us stories of times when that their own mixed race relationship has resulted in people making the same mistakes with regard to their children being assigned to them correctly in mixed company.
1: How awkward that whole situation I is. I mean, awkward
0: is just sort of like the, the catch-all, I guess, for yeah. that, but I'm sure that there's...
1: But even dangerous, like, I mean, you know, when you have a parent that skin color does not match the child, when you're at somewhere like the park... And the kids, you know, being a rascal and running away and being like, I'm not ready to go, whatever, and doing that kind of thing. And you're chasing them and you're, you don't seem to match the child visually. You know, there's a lot of people who question that and, and give a lot of feedback. I, th- I think, yeah, <laughs> feedback is probably right. And, and I don't know if that's entirely wrong to, to pause and be like, is this situation OK? I think, you know, there's other context clues. That you can check out beyond skin color. I mean, you should not stop there. You know, <laughs> did they come together? Do they seem to know each other? Like, I mean, there's a lot of other things that I think are important to remember to layer in. But you know, these situations happen. And I think it was really great that the show continued to explain how many times and in how many small little moments. Cause I think we could figure it out by the by the flashbacks that we were given throughout all the seasons, all the different moments where like Rebecca not really knowing how to handle things like does he wear sunblock or how should he how should she handle hair care? Things like that was all brought up. But these small moments of just simply handing something out and not acknowledging that this child also goes with this dad. Those are small little moments that would definitely add up.
0: They use the popular term later in the show microaggressions. Yes. And it's easy to see when it's compacted like this when they spotlight see that when he did that that's one of those
1: i think it's really helpful because i think there's a lot of people out there who still can't define what a microaggression is or maybe even thinks that that's like a really pc term and can't figure out where where to apply it so again i think the show is doing a like a public service announcement of like this is what we're talking about you know this is a moment where this is a microaggression whether that badge holder meant it or not there could have probably been a way to handle that more sensitively, simply hand the two badges to the dad and move on and not assume who the children belong to. Do you know what I mean? Like there's ways of handling it, especially these days that we're aware that anyone could have brought any children to this thing. Be aware and just handle it more sensitively. Which two children are yours? Just ask instead of assuming. Right.
0: I work in HR. We've It's come up before in the podcast that I work in, in training. I have worked. Uh, in the past couple of years on uh, what we call e-learning computer-based training for what we call unconscious bias. The idea of bringing your shit into a situation, having that influence your outlook on a person you not even know it. Yeah. Right. The funny thing to me that I laugh about internally, but not to anyone else at work is that we think that we can change someone's mind in like a 20 minute See, (laughs) e-learning about it because i think these things are ingrained and like we like was pointed out to kevin in this episode you don't even know you're doing it
1: i i agree with you wholeheartedly that you can't change it but i think you can be aware of it and say things and do things in a different way let me give you a different example that was something that i was made aware of decades ago assuming a woman is pregnant don't do it right You make an assumption. You make an assumption. You say something like, "Oh, what do you do?" That kind of thing, right? This is a terrible choice. (laughs) So, what have we as a society? We've kind of like built that in where it's like you shouldn't say anything. And if you're if you're going to even comment at all in any way, uh, you're probably going to make a mistake because let the the woman bring it up if she wants to. If not, mind your beeswax, right? But that's a good example of like a small moment where you can make an assumption coming from a place of in no way trying to be rude or anything like that. You're even trying to be congratulatory. But the reality is you have no business commenting on anyone else's body and or parental relationship and or, you know, anything else like you don't have any business. It reminds me of that ad that we laugh at all the time where the guy's trying to teach the older people not to be, you know, saying things out loud and the guy goes by with blue hair and the guy's like, don't say it. We all see it. We don't say it. And he's like, blue hair. Like it's stuff like that. Like, You don't have to point out everything. And instead, just walk into that situation. If you're the badge guy, let the training be. Make no assumptions of what adult is with what child. Just simply say, how many badges for you? Two. Here you go. Let the, let the parent pass him out, you know? To be but fair, in this situation,
0: it. Jack was standing behind the boys with one hand on each Doesn't of the boys' matter. shoulders. It's just
1: the type of training. I know. Again, yes, you're right. He had a hand on The context both.
0: clues you were mentioning. You
1: were 100% right. Should have let you know that this adult has brought these two children. You don't have to make an assumption on the relationship, you know? Right. Just don't. So I feel like that's something that, you know, as a society... We're trying and I think is always a good idea moving forward. You are 100% right, though. I don't think we're going to change people. But I think if you're aware of it and you can just present a question to somebody and or don't say your assumption out loud. Have your assumptions in your head, but keep it to your damn self, you know. I don't think you can avoid it, to be honest with you.
0: Well, at at the least... You can get to the point where Kevin was at the beginning of the episode, which was he knew that he had a problem, but working on it by himself, he couldn't really grasp how to address it or make it meaningful to the person who he wanted to, well, he felt like he needed to apologize to, but make it meaningful to Randall, that, that that he knew that he needed to change something about what he was doing and felt badly about what he'd done before. But that's, that's as far as he got by himself.
1: And even what you said was such a mouthful because I mean, it comes down to what Randall said and saying like, okay, I get it that your motivation is to do the right thing, but that's where it ends. It really isn't about, I want to apologize to Randall. I want to figure out what it is I said and did in the past and, and make things right and move forward in a different way. It wasn't any of those things. It was just like you said, as soon as you started talking, you were like, boy, that's a blanket statement. So it was like he just wanted to do the right thing. Now, here's the thing. I, I do want to talk about the flashback in college. When it comes to the conversation between Randall and Kevin, I actually am going to encourage the two of us to let it stand on its own. I don't really want to analyze where Kevin was coming from or where Randall was coming from because I think they are so authentically representing different POVs in the country right now that we would be so off base trying to pick apart their words and their experiences that I don't, I personally don't want to dive in. I think that they both really did a good job of showing where certain people are in the story right now of our nation and our history here. Okay. Let's dive into the college years flashbacks.
0: The college flashbacks showed a series of very stereotypically racist comments that Kevin made toward his brother he doesn't even realize that he's doing or if he if he does he's chalking it up to thinking that he's funny
1: yeah and this was so cringy paul i mean uh everything everything i think the second time he said something about fresh prince of bel-air you looked at me and was like oh my god like what is he doing how many times are we going to continue to make mistakes like this there were so many back-to-back that I don't even know again, like I feel like this whole episode, it's like, just watch it and you will like see what we're talking about because it all like speaks for itself. Each thing he says, there there's so little of it that feels thoughtful or thought out or or him realizing anything about what he's saying. I do want to put push a pause button for just a second, step to the side and say. Okay, these guys are like, what do we think? 20 years old, something like that, 1920, right? I was a jackass at 1920. I said comments that I thought were funny about a myriad of things that I was an asshole about. Like looking back, I know was not the right thing for me to say. Paul, I knew you. (laughs) (laughs) You also did not have a sensitivity chip. And part of that is that, you know, that total immortality, invincible, young person attitude of like the whole world can bite my ass kind of feeling. And it isn't directed at anyone in particular. No one of any color, no one of any, you know, uh, background. Any, It doesn't matter. It was like a constant, like everyone can bite my ass. I know everything and no one knows anything but me.
0: Take a number, the ass biting line.
1: Basically, yeah. And so I, I do understand now, here's the thing. They did not reflect, well, okay. I will say that, you know, they showed Randall with like one percent little moments like making fun of the painting or teasing about the apartment furniture and stuff like that. Now, none of that was like racially motivated, obviously, but it was like it's still picking at each other, still saying asshole things to each other. Like you don't have to, you know, but like this is what we did at that age. Like I said, that's a pause button on what was happening in this episode. But do you remember, like, I feel like I said horrible things. I've gone back to my own brother and said, I'm sorry I treated you as shitty as I did because I think I'm a good sister. And still, when I look back, I said things I shouldn't have said. And I did things I shouldn't have done just because I was older, just because I was I could because I could say something snotty if I wanted to.
0: I don't think there'd be any advantage to me into going into detail of the nature of all the crass things that I wish I could have sucked out of the ether of what i said and
1: the key again is they weren't race related necessarily there were a lot of things related it was like we were just like rude snotty crass people you know who didn't know any better and didn't have the the life experience to say what are you making fun of what are you talking about right now like you don't even know what you're saying we just basically like no one had checked us yet (laughs) You know, yeah, and oof, life checked us hard, and I feel like we are far more sensitive people now and way more thoughtful about the things we say and do. but back then i I don't even feel like I knew anyone who wasn't just walking around with like the biggest arrogant cape on, you know
0: it's getting to be a weaker and weaker excuse, but the standards for personal behavior with with regards to other people's feelings and that kind of stuff, taking into account another person's background or whatever, those standards just didn't exist the same way that they do now. So when you look at it with your 2021 lens, it's very easy to identify all these pitfalls that Kevin makes, uh, college Kevin makes. At the time, it would have been an academic kind of pursuit to try to do that run-of-the-mill people weren't assessing each other and themselves under that same lens
1: it was interesting i read a tweet recently where it said i'm paraphrasing but the idea was it's not that people are more sensitive now but it's just we are aware of things that hurt us and we're trying to avoid repeating the cycle again so we're trying to raise our kids to be like hey don't say that to that person because, you know, we're remembering I my feelings got hurt and that felt terrible and I regret things that I said. So we're trying to do better, but not because we're more sensitive, just because we don't we don't want this to keep going on. You know, we want to do better. And I, I think it would be great if we could. I think this conversation that we move into the adulthood with Kevin and Randall really asks a lot of questions of the audience in terms of. What is the right thing to do? How do we move forward? You know, Randall has, I think, two issues going on here. He has everything having to do with race. And I think separately, there is the portion of his adoption. And his adoption does include race. Like there's a Venn diagram here where it does include it. But there, there's even just a part of just missing his own biological family. You know, right. and we learn that through the support group that that is you know, across the board. That's right. So we have these two issues that are overlapping. And I think the race part, like I said, I'm pretty willing to let that stand alone as us podcasters because I think there's I think they said it very straightforward. I think they both told their parts. They both explained the two, you know, ideas. They both showed how there was conflict. They both showed the lack of being sure how to move forward, what exactly to do.
0: I think that was an important thing to tease out was like I mentioned just a minute ago, Kevin knew that he wanted to do this quote-unquote right thing, and after he thought he did it, Randall was annoyed with him but he wasn't sure why. It was only through discussion and getting to the root of these things that they could finally admit these what it was that Randall needed and what it was that Kevin needed to feel in order for everybody to be cool again. But it wasn't something that they were going to get just separately and i think it took a lot of patience on randall's part to get there
1: i think so too so so leaving that issue to the side i i think that it's important for us to talk about the adoption side and the and the ghost kingdom i think for me that was one of the most fascinating portions of this episode partially i say that because it was brand new information to me the concept of a ghost kingdom the idea of can this apply to other groups of people? Does this apply to everybody on, on some level? So for me, if you guys missed it in the episode, Ghost Kingdom was what he was talking about when you basically create this alternate reality. Mm-hmm. And you know, for him, he had created the librarian and the meteorologist as his mom and dad because they were the most consistent adults that looked like him in his life and he felt happy and comfortable with them. This was this like fantasy land that he that he indulged in, but there was this layer of guilt. Because it's not like he didn't love his family. and didn't love what was going on.
0: Do you suppose that a ghost kingdom is like a, a very concentrated form of more general escapism? Like if you didn't have some other, I don't know, need to focus your, your imagination or, or your efforts, you'd be fine playing video games or whatever. But if there's this void in your life, for whatever reason, some loss that instead of whatever it is that video games do for other people or something like that, it doesn't have to be video games, but just that kind of thing, that, that escape from reality. Do you suppose that the ghost kingdom is, is, is kind of the, the focusing of those powers to help fill the void for, for people?
1: I mean, the way that it was described and I haven't done any research on it, it seems like the person who has this ghost kingdom needs to play out what this alternative reality would be like. So I don't think it's just escaping. I think it's putting the people in the positions in their lives and letting scenarios play out in their head so that they can sort of have these memories with them, even though they never really happened.
0: It'd be interesting to see more about that in the in the therapy. Like, do they pursue it in that setting to that end point? Or do they just get to the point where the person is happy with the kinds of things that young Randall was thinking of just happy mornings before he heads off to school, getting, you know, breakfast and morning weather reports. Or is it like you say, where it's like, continue on with the timeline, try to figure out, was there a happy ending? Or or, or did you come out okay with with how you wound up in, in reality?
1: I think it's it's something that I would really want to read more about, because I think that it does apply to a lot of people. Things that, you know, different... Things that happened in their lives, different twists and turns that they didn't see coming. A life that was unlived. The path not taken kind of thing that it seems like there would be more healing if you let it play out and you actually brought it to some sort of closure. I think in the case of Randall, we saw that at the end of the episode, him actually going to sleep and replacing those fictional parents with William and Laurel. I think that was a huge step for him in terms of closure and in terms of having some sense of who those people actually were. They weren't fictional people. They were his actual parents. And I think maybe that that steps forward. I I hope I don't know then if, if because he had an ending with William, if then he could kind of fill in the blanks and let that come to a conclusion in his head. I don't know in a way. I mean, you're someone who enjoys writing do you think that if you have a beginning of a story and maybe even if you know the end, there's something very satisfactory about going through the process of filling in the middle?
0: Oh, there definitely is. That's in fact the biggest challenge of of writing. So, yeah, making that part interesting and 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 worth it to get through.
1: To me, I think that it's a whole exercise of maybe not needing to feel so guilty about thinking about alternative Timelines that could have happened in your life, and instead taking a beat and maybe even letting that play out and feeling like maybe you just get some happiness out of those happy mornings with your fictitious parents, and maybe that's okay. maybe that's okay to do. i I, th- I do think it begs the question: Can you love your current life, whomever that includes, and also have a fictional experience in your mind? Where you know things play out a little bit different, but it makes you happy. I don't know. I mean, I would like to think that the fact that they showed that Randall did replace the fictitious parents with the biological parents maybe means that there's something to be said for putting more reality into the ghost kingdoms. Yeah, maybe that's the natural flow of healing when you can kind of replace the different parts with more realistic things that happen. Maybe you. You figure out, you know, I mean, Laurel passed away, you know, and Williams passed away. Like he, he still wouldn't have them. So what would that have looked like? Yeah. I mean, I think that the girl in the group therapy saying like she would have rather lived with the bipolar mom, you know, again, maybe if in her ghost kingdom, maybe if she did the research and found out what would that have been like, what would it be like to be a child of a bipolar parent? Would it have been what she imagines it to have been. And maybe she will say, yes, it was. And so I'm happy with having that fantasy. Or maybe she would say, no, after doing the research and, you know, meeting with people who had bipolar parents, maybe she would find out that her life that she actually lived was better than this fantasy life. And maybe then she could let it go. So there's something to be said for, I think, the thought process of it. You know, there's the danger side of I'm sure falling into a fantasy land and kind of getting lost there versus like just working through it, thinking about it. What would it be like? Who are these people? Where did they live? What would my upbringing have been? Think, think it through. It can apply to different parts of life. I'm sure many people who, not just people who are adopted, but you know, any things that changed in life, the path that you didn't take, if you sit and think about it, and work it through, well, where would that have led me? Oh, well, this person did this and that. Oh gosh, well, I wouldn't have wanted to go there. So we probably would have broke up or whatever. You could like work it through and realize, okay, am I okay with this or am I not okay with this? Even that alone, I think gives you some amount of closure or maybe you just like to leave it as a fantasy and just leave it in your head as this ghost kingdom of place you like to visit sometimes i think the key was taking the guilt out of it being able to not be ashamed that you think about an alternate life and you think about what things could have been like I'll, I'll venture to say that just in doing that exercise you might actually have more gratitude for the life you have because maybe in thinking through that you might actually find some flaws in you know the fictional life you know it's possible
0: yeah. Speaking of that lady that was on last week's episode with that story, I remember that I said in the last podcast something along the lines of that I could understand or I could imagine why some of her family would have cut her off because of thinking that she should have been more grateful. It's interesting to hear that that came up again through Kevin in this episode, the idea of being grateful for having been adopted. Randall's whole response to it about the suffocating nature of needing to show an endless supply of gratitude For some reason that that exchange spoke to me i'm not adopted i, I don't have that exact um condition to Owe up to but man i i think there have there are spots in life where i don't know others around you expect you to have this perpetual state of bowing to to others and and when they don't get it it's like well you're being ungrateful, but for that to be like your whole life and and your whole family or feel like that is anyway, man, that's, that's a lot. Did that moment speak to you at all?
1: Yeah. It's a little bit difficult to explain because I think that most, most of our listeners might not quite understand what our personal experience is, but with having special needs kids, you know, we kind of, we kind of hit up on this last week in terms of like, you know, holiday times or something and, and people being like, well, does your child want this? And it'd be like this extra big deal and you kind of don't want that extra spotlight and you're just like, just treat us like everybody else. That can also go into like offering extra hand for things or being overly forgiving of things that like the kids might do or something. But then it's sort of like, we're supposed to be really grateful that they understood that our child has a special need. And you're like, have to walk around all the time being like, thank you so much for understanding that that this child, you know, is deafblind, or thank you so much for understanding that this person, you know, my my middle child has, has autism. Like at some point you're like, why am I constantly thanking everybody and in a constant state of like you said, just being like, I'm so appreciative. It's it, it it's grating, you know, it gets tiring. And it it's not like
0: <laughs> it's funny to say like you don't want to seem ungrateful, but it is tiring. It is like, how can you live forever in that state?
1: Now, this is only our personal experiences, and I know this is very much speaking back to race and feeling like, you know, every time someone doesn't say something racist, that somehow the person should be grateful for that. Like, it's all ridiculous, you know, when you think about it like that. And so we're just speaking of it in the terms that we can relate. And and for us, I mean... It is something that like how many times do we have to say, like, thank you for like accommodating, like, you know, the fact that she's allergic to peanuts or whatever. Like it's constantly like just do it because like, you know, we are the people that you hang around or whatever. Like just just do it without it being like a God, the amount of times I've been pulled to the side oh, I got this special thing for this one because I know that they, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, just do it. Why do you have to be like congratulated for doing that? Like, oh, okay, so you made it accessible for her to do the same thing everyone else is doing? Thanks thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, like, and it's like, and I know, listen, we've been on the other side. We've made accommodations for other people all the time. And so we get it. We get it. It's an extra effort, but like what he's saying, walking around in a perpetual state of saying, thank you. That one time you don't say thank you, or that one time you just expect everyone to already understand. And you don't go in with your, like on your knees, already begging for everyone to get it. You know, you're looked at like, <laughs> Do they even realize how much extra work that was? Yeah, exactly. we do. Cause we live it every day. And like, you know, you invited us, you know, like <laughs> uh, it's that kind of thing. You know, we've, we've experienced it. You know, you have a lot of food allergies. I do. It becomes a thing where it's like, well, we didn't even buy any food for him.
0: It is a total thing. Because
1: it's too complicated and people get annoyed. I mean, and it's a whole thing and it's like, I don't know what to say. How many times am I supposed to apologize that? I, I'm sorry, there's no ingredients listed. I don't know if you if we can eat this, you know, like ah, like, but it becomes a game of like constantly apologizing for who you are and anything that anyone feels like they're going out of their way. I know this all sounds like God, you guys put your feet in other people's shoes. we all experience this on different levels, I'm sure we do, and that's part of the point is that this is us, yeah, and take yourself out of your own shoes and put it in randall's shoes or put it in kevin's shoes or put it in you know madison's shoes who's ever and try to see it through someone else's point of view and they're probably feeling much the same way so try to understand how things are working for other people too this one was a doozy of an episode i mean i know a lot of people were really looking forward to the brothers finally being in person do you think that it resolved too quickly in the end of this conversation i mean did it just sort of like End in a hug. I mean, were you satisfied with how it worked?
0: I had a hunch that they were going to need to wrap this up in a single episode and not string it out over a couple in terms of making this. It it is a big deal, but they've got to address it in TV terms.
1: There is this strange line that they're walking where they have hit upon very real topics that absolutely cannot be resolved in a kitchen in an afternoon. Like it just can't, there's just so much to it. There's so much work to be done that, you know, you can't fix all the different microaggressions over all the years and all the incidences. Yeah, you can't in one conversation. So on one hand, as a viewer, I'm like, okay, you went there, you kept it authentic. It was realistic. And then, oh, wait, it's done. I, like, I almost thought that Randall was going to like roll his eyes over Kevin's shoulder or something. Like, I really thought that there was going to be some visual cue of like, I'm letting this go to rest, but like, it ain't over. But again, from TV terms, there's other stories to be told here too. We only have, you know, X amount of episodes left. They do want to move on to, to other stories. So what do we do? How, can, how do you honor the storyline w- without making it feel like you abruptly just wrapped it up with a pretty bow.
0: I think there might be viewers out there that will find that it resolved itself too quickly, but I don't think that they're going to continue to struggle. These two characters are going to continue to struggle with this point.
1: I think they have to keep it in the background. I think there has to be touching back on it because otherwise, I mean, it's way too soap opera-y, you know? And, and again, This was one of the dangers of going really realistic in this season, you know, when they went into these issues that weren't about like the personal characters, but you kind of, you kind of started having them represent these much larger issues that are going on in the world right now. Yeah. Well, the world hasn't resolved it. So it's very difficult to have the characters exactly resolve it without it feeling like, Hey, we're still figuring it out out here. How can you two just move on? Like, I think people are going to be a little unsettled by that and a little like that didn't feel right. So I think there has to be some sort of like, I almost wish they would just say maybe they will in the next episode or something. Let's just keep working on this. It's not something that we can keep, you know, our family relations strained for eternity about. Like, we can still work on this and still love each other and still be like encouraging of each other. So maybe that can work out. But I don't think they can act like this is resolved. All those years of everything just couldn't have been fixed. The way that Randall just turned and smiled and it literally was like about five more lines and the whole conversation was done. It was kind of like whiplash. Like, wait a minute, wait. I see what you're saying. It felt like it came out of nowhere. I mean, I was not expecting it. And I don't know. And maybe I'm making it larger than it is in terms of saying put a pretty bow on top. Like, I guess they didn't. I mean, I guess they just kind of let it be, you know, I mean, Randall did come around and say the thing about, you know, dad wasn't dad didn't die, not being proud of you and that kind of thing. So, you know, I mean, there was that, but I, I just don't think that the issues that they were actually discussing for the previous 45 minutes really came to any real end, you know, or conclusion or where do we go from here?
0: I think what this episode was meant to do was to address the elephants in the room left over from last season. And this was what I'd been basically asking for, since the beginning of the season was forward movement on these things that had been left over since last season. I think they did it. And I I think it will be settled to at least uh, what (laughs) detente or a pact of, uh, or no, what would you call it? A truce until what do we think the end of this season is going to be? Yeah. When Kevin gets married.
1: I agree with you that they did stop to actually address those couple of sentences that they said to each other right at the very end. And I can agree with the idea that maybe this is a truce of sorts. Maybe that's where viewers have to be okay with it, that that's as far as we get, you know, for right now, which I think is accurate, again, to the bigger picture of what we're dealing with, you know, larger in the storyline is like, you know, there's hurts that happen in families that you can't really just you can't wash away you know i mean the stuff that happened and so maybe they're never going to get to a place where anything can really be apologized for anymore or any more of the hurt can really be wiped away but they sort of just like agree to like you said a truce a moving forward that they want to be together in each other's lives now and they will do it better than they had in the past maybe that's as good as it can get right now
0: and that's probably fair That's probably fair. Like that's how, that's kind of how men's relationships rebuild, right?
1: I don't know. I'm not a man. Is this how men's relationships rebuild?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's something you can't get past, then the relationship kind of dies. But if, if there is, then there's just building on top of, of that truce or whatever you want to call it with experiences together so that you have enough doing shit together that you like that you have these good memories and that's basically the, the rebuilding of the relationship.
1: Well, then I see, I think they got that far in this episode that maybe they can, they can try. I, I really bristled at a comment that you just made. That makes me a little worried. Kevin came to talk to Randall because he wanted him to stand up for him at his wedding. That is feeling bad. I feel like they should have done this in a different way where They were resolving the argument for the sake of resolving the argument, not because Kevin needed something. Mm. That's kind of actually bothering me about the authenticity of this whole moment.
0: Well, that is still a shortcoming with Kevin. On the whole, he's doing better. He's a better guy. He's a better man. But he still, I think, looks at a lot of things in terms of how it impacts Kevin, which is, I don't know. Fairly natural, I suppose, and you saw it like in the in the college flashbacks. After giving Randall like like a totally shitty night and getting in a fight and all that stuff, how he finally at the very end admitted that he was going through, you know, he wasn't having much success at work with jobs, with tryouts, auditions, whatever they're called, and but it all it'll that's how Kevin's um, pattern seems to always go. What is is that it is that it gets back to what's going wrong with Kevin.
1: Interesting. Okay. And I mean, I don't want to ignore the fact that they had called each other multiple times before this without the best man thing being on the table. You know, there was multiple tries to resolve this. So I just, I just wish that they had just taken that off the table, that it wasn't, it wasn't there for the reason why you just said they needed to deal with the elephants in the room because they didn't want anything between them when he stood up for him at his wedding. Yuck, <laughs> you know, I mean, it should have been because we want to move forward as brothers and we had this really shitty fight, not because I need something from you. That's fair. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if other viewers are feeling that way or if they're OK with this conversation, if they feel like it was kind of stunted in in the way that it was just resolved so quickly or what. But I definitely think there's a lot going on here. And I, I mean, I'm look forward to being able to move on to a couple of other storylines, but I think that it would be disingenuous to even have brought this all up if it doesn't continue to have some life of its own. You know, some amount of Kevin taking like a, a, a beat when he's about to do something and then doing it differently or something, you know, something coming of it. Otherwise, why? Why did we go through this?
0: It could go several directions. It could stay between the brothers It could become something in uh, Kevin's personal or or professional life that he makes a point of trying to adjust or improve. I could see that. I'm not sure how that would manifest, but that'd be an easy way to work in that kind of improvement. So we'll see.
1: Well, we really look forward to seeing how they're going to handle this. And I think we're moving into a wedding very soon here. I mean, I would think, how many more episodes do we have?
0: Let's see. This was number 13. They usually go to 18, so six so sorry, 14, 15, 17, 18, five more.
1: Okay, so in the five episodes we have left, I mean, I think there's plenty of story to tell. I really want to get back to Baby Jack. I really want to find out yeah. some of these other stories that are going on that are sitting out here that, you know, we spend an entire episode on this on this sort of resolution of this argument. But we need to get back to what some of the other characters in the storylines doing. We because- need
0: to know about Rebecca's Yes. Oh my gosh, are we Uh, ever
1: going to find out about what is going on with her memory right now?
0: And the Toby and Kate house has got to be a mess with everything going on over there. Toby and his situation, joblessness, um, not digging life, his history with depression. I think that house is, is a powder keg with two babies in it. I don't see how we get don't get back there soon for something. Did you (laughs) Oh, man. Did you see someone's uh, Facebook question? Do you think that Kate's going to have an affair with the neighbor?
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) Do
0: people even watch this show? I don't understand why people
1: consistently need stuff like that. I don't think that that's reasonable, you guys. But also, I just, you know, I think there's enough going on. There is enough going on in that household that we really need to delve back in. You know, we need to. There's a lot of stories going on here.
0: Because doesn't, at this point... Kevin's house feels semi-settled, which is funny for having, you know, a Vietnam vet and and baby twins in the house, but it feels kind of okay at this point.
1: I feel like they've found their way enough.
0: Right, right. And I know that Randall's house has got some ups and downs, but it's gonna, you know, they've they've got teenage girls and stuff. So, but Kate's house, shoot.
1: There's a lot to be unpacked there. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening.